Well, good morning. I'm glad to be back with you guys today. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're ready to worship. I'm glad that there is joy in your heart. And I'm glad that Jesus Christ is on the throne. I'm glad. We're kicking off a new series today called With Joy. Um, And before we do that, I do want to just step back for a moment. And I want to look back towards Thanksgiving. And some of you might be saying, no, I waited until after Thanksgiving. It's now Christmas. I just want to say to you, I put up my Christmas tree before Thanksgiving, okay? That gives me the cachet that I have the political capital to look back at Thanksgiving, okay? There's a couple of things I want to say before I go any further about Thanksgiving. Number one is that the number of people I was surprised by, the number of people who like cranberry junk (laughs) and have my cell phone number. Like, that number surprised me. Like, the Venn diagram on that has a much larger middle than I thought it did. And so, with that, I repent. Cranberry junk is great, okay? Whatever form it's in. I heard about cranberry salads and cranberry sauces and cranberry jellos. Cranberry junk is great, and I'm happy for it and you. Eat it all you want. Um... I also want to mention, I hope that you did give thanks over this Thanksgiving week, that you took time as a family, individually, to just give thanks to God for his many blessings in your life. I will say that one of the things this week that I gave thanks for was you. I am so thankful for the opportunity to pastor you. What a great church and what a blessing it is. And so thank you for allowing me to be your pastor. And I thank God regularly for you. I thank God regularly for you. What a blessing. What a blessing. But as I was thinking about Thanksgiving this week and I was reading, I came across a passage. I was actually reading it with somebody else. And it's in a passage of Scripture that is not the most enjoyable to read. Like in my Bible, it's titled, God's Wrath on Unrighteousness. It's in Romans chapter 1. There is this passage about, really, the kind of downward spiral of a culture, of a people, of a group. And it really, I think of it, I've always thought of it as like a death spiral, right? And the faster, the further you get down, the faster it starts going, and the end is a collision with the judgment of God. But what's amazing to me, this is what I was reading this week, as I was reading it, at the very beginning, the very first kind of verse of that passage is what begins that process. And here's what it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. What starts the process? Well, not honoring God and not giving thanks to him. 
there are so many reasons for us to give thanks to God, right? Let me add one more. For the sake of your soul, regularly turn back thanks to God. I think it's, if not one of, it is a powerful weapon, if not one of the most powerful weapons in our toolkit. I think it battles all kinds of lies of the enemy. I think that it is in the battle for our souls against the prince of this world. There is no doubt that thankfulness is a weapon to be used. And so I would encourage you, for the sake of your own soul, give thanks to God all the time. Because it's without that thanks that that spiral starts. I think that is such an interesting thing. It begins by not giving thanks to him. Last week we were talking about how when we draw on the well of salvation, when we draw water from the wells of salvation, that it, the natural outpouring of that is then thanks to God. We were reading from uh, uh, Isaiah chapter 12, verse 3, which says, With joy, which is how we came up with the title for this series, With Joy, With Joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Then it goes on to say, and you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord. You don't, you don't ought to say it. It says it will happen naturally. The natural outpouring of, being, of drawing water from the wells of your salvation is thanks to God. I just, I love that. And that's what we're going to be doing during this series with joy, is we're going to be drawing over these next weeks leading up to Christmas from the wells of salvation, water, because we're going to be reading through Isaiah chapter 11, this incredible, beautiful, thick prophecy there about the coming of Jesus Christ and some of the things we've seen accomplished already. Some of these things we've seen glimpses of what will be. And in those glimpses, we can draw from the deeper, more actual realization that we will see one day, right? And so what we're going to do is we're going to just come back to these wells over and over over the next weeks in the lead up to Christmas. I love, I love in the Old Testament reading through the various prophecies of the coming of Jesus Christ and then watching as he hits every single mark, right? I love it. And Isaiah 11 is just like that. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to kick off this series with that. So if you haven't done it yet, grab your Bibles today. Once you have them, open them up to Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11. Uh, if you haven't done it yet, you can also grab your phone and open it up to praise.fyi. You'll find all the verses we're going to be reading through there in praise.fyi, which is important because of the fact that there's a lot of them. Okay, we're going to be jumping around a little bit this morning, and so even if nothing else, open that up, and you'll be able to send it to yourself so you'll have all the verses that we read through afterwards, and so I think it would be good for you to do that. Praise.fyi, tap on message notes, you'll find it all there. We're really only going to be reading from the very first verse of Isaiah chapter 11. So if you haven't done it, again, open up to Isaiah chapter 11, that's on page 575 in the Bible that would be in the seats all around you. So Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, here's what it says. Love this prophecy. Here's what it says. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. So 
So about six chapters, seven chapters before this, Isaiah starts using this image of a tree. And actually, he uses it over and over again, a forest. He uses it all through Isaiah. Forest, he kind of riffs on it for a while. And so in order to understand what's being talked about here, I think I want to set it up. And so I'm going to ask you to turn a couple pages to the left, back to Isaiah chapter 6. And we're going to read Isaiah chapter 6, verse 13. Here's what's happening here. Isaiah is prophesying that the nation is going to be attacked. It's going to be devastated. He says, after it's all said and done, there'll be a few people left in the land. Here he calls it a tenth. And here's what it says in verse 13. Though a tenth remain, which isn't exact. It's just kind of saying that there's just a few of them left. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again. Like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled. So he uses this image of a tree, and he says, listen, this is the judgments that is coming against us, and, and what's going to happen is we're going to be felled, and all that's left will be a tenth. It's like when you're walking through a forest, and a tree has been cut down, and all that's left is a stump, but not just any stump, a stump that has been burned, right? There's nothing left of that stump. He says, that's what it's going to be like. But then he says, the holy seed is its stump. So even as you're looking at a burned out stump that you look at it and you think, wow, there's nothing left of that thing, he says, there is hope. Okay? So now that he says this and sets this up, he starts riffing on this idea of trees. In the next chapter, he's prophesying to King Ahaz. It's where you find that incredible prophecy about the fact that there's going to be a virgin who's going to be with child. She'll give birth to a son and he will be called Emmanuel. That prophecy was given to Ahaz because Ahaz was of the line of David. And at the time, there were two kings in two countries that were coming against him. And they said, oh, we want to remove him from the throne, depose him, kill him, and replace him with the son of Tabeel. And Isaiah comes to him and says, no, that can't happen. Here's why. God has a plan for your descendants. Because one of your descendants will give birth to a child, and he will be called Emmanuel. So don't worry about these two kings who are coming against you. And he said to him, stop shaking like the trees in the winds. He uses that same kind of image of trees. And I don't know if you noticed, it was a little windy this morning. As I was leaving, I saw all the trees around my house shaking back and forth. He says, that's what you're like, Ahaz. You're shaking back and forth because of these things. But you have no need to fear because God has a plan. And then he continues on in chapter 10, and he uses this illustration again. Here in chapter 10, there's this prophecy against the king of Assyria. So the king of Assyria is the power of the day. And here to this king, he, he actually brings this prophecy because apparently the king has gotten too big for his britches. In chapter 10, verse 12, here's what it says. When the Lord has finished all his work on Mount Zion and on Jerusalem, he will punish the speech of the arrogant heart of the king of Assyria and the boastful look in his eyes. So the king of Assyria comes along, he destroys the northern kingdom, his, his nation destroys the northern kingdom, and he turns his eyes towards the southern kingdom. And, and, and there, he, he, God promises, no, he's not going to take you down. He says, I'm doing something in Zion and in Jerusalem. And as soon as I'm done, I'm going to turn my attention to you, Assyria. 
He says, here's why. Because you're talking like you're it. Continues on, he says, verse 13, For you have said, for he says, the king of Assyria says, By the strength of my hand I have done it, and by my wisdom, for I have understanding. Humble guy, right? By my wisdom, for I have understanding, I remove the boundaries of people and plunder their treasures. Like a bull, I bring down those who sit on thrones. My hand has found like a nest the wealth of the peoples, and as one gathers eggs that have been forsaken, so I've gathered all the earth. And there was none that moved a wing or opened the mouth or chirped. He's saying, this king comes along, he says, like, I'm like a bull in a china shop. I take down who I want to take down. I remove the borders of countries because I just gobble them all up. And then I want what they have. And so it's like I reach up into a nest and there's eggs in there and the mama bird's sitting right there and she makes eye contact with me and doesn't say a thing as I take those eggs from her. Why? Because I'm the king of Assyria. So here's God's prophecy to him. Verse 15, shall the axe boast over him who hews with it? Or the saw magnify itself against him who wields it? As if a rod should wield him who lifts it, or as if a staff should lift him who is not wood. He says, you think you're the lumberjack. You're not. You're the axe. At best, you're the saw. I'm the lumberjack. He says, and I'm about to turn the axe against you. Verse 18. The glory of his forest and of his fruitful land, the Lord will destroy both soul and body. And it will be as when a sick man wastes away, which is exactly what happened to the kingdom of Assyria. Down to the letter. The remnant of the trees of his forest will be so few that a child can write them down. So he uses this image of forest again. Verse 33, just skip down a little bit. Verse 33, behold, the Lord God of hosts will lop the boughs with terrifying power. The great in height will be hewn down and the lofty will be brought low. He will cut down the thickets of the forest with an axe. And Lebanon, speaking of the cedars of Lebanon, the tall cedars of Lebanon, will fall by the majestic one. He says, you are like the forest of Lebanon. And guess what? I'm the lumberjack, and I'm about to cut it all down. Right? So this is the image. And the very next verse is the verse we started with, chapter 11, verse 1. So see the image that he wants you to see here. A stump in the middle of a field of stumps. And not just a stump, but a stump that has been burned. There is nothing left, it seems, of this stump. But in this field of stumps, it says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. There's one stump in that field that there's about to be new life that comes out of it. A new shoot, new green from a burned out stump. A couple things I noticed about this. First thing that caught my attention, I don't know if it caught yours, but it caught mine. Why is the stump 
the stump of Jesse? Why isn't it the stump of David? Never once in the New Testament is Jesus referred to as the son of Jesse. He is always referred to as the son of David. Why here would the stump be the stump of Jesse? Why would it go behind David to Jesse to find the stump? Why is the image the image of the stump of Jesse? This is the first thing that jumps in my mind. And I think I've got a couple of answers, and I don't know for sure. Number one, I think at least part of it is the fact that there is nothing good left. You want to talk about a, a country, a culture, a kingship that has spiraled down. Look at the line of David. By the time this comes along, they have sunk to all depths, right? Like there is nothing unique about the people of God anymore. They are the people of God by name only by this point. There is nothing good to see here. And so it reaches behind King David to the stump of Jesse as if to say that that the new shoot that's coming forth is not from the line of David, but it is a new David. That Jesus is not just the son of David, he is the new King David. And we know this is the case because in Hosea chapter 3, verse 5, it says this, Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. This is talking about Jesus Christ. He isn't just the son of David. He is the new David. Looking back on the golden kingship of David saying that Jesus comes along and you ain't seen nothing yet. Here is the real David the king that is to come. So it says the shoot that's coming up is, is kind of like God hitting a reset button on the line of David and saying I'm going to give it another go. So the shoot that comes up is from the stump of Jesse, not the stump of David. I think there's another reason too, and I'm not sure of it, but I think it's probably there. When you talk about the son of David, you're talking about Jesus's royalty. But Jesse wasn't a king. David was royal in Jerusalem. Jesse was anonymous in Bethlehem. And so I think there's something to this where it ties right in with Micah chapter 5, verse 2, where it says, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, you who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel. So this prophecy reaches behind King David and his royalty just like it reaches behind Jerusalem and the glory days and the royalty there and goes back to Jesse in Bethlehem. So we see that this king who is going to come will come just like David came. Originally from a little town with no glory to his name. I think that that's here. Not entirely sure. But it very specifically says, the stump of Jesse, a new shoot, will come forth. And then it continues on, chapter 11, verse 1, there shall come forth a shoot 
from the stump of Jesse and a branch. From this point on, the phrase a branch, that word becomes synonymous with the Messiah. So Isaiah uses branch to refer to the Messiah from like the rest of, his, of the book of Isaiah. And not just Isaiah, Jeremiah uses it as well. He refers to him as the righteous branch. And Zechariah refers to him as my servant, the branch, or the man whose name is the branch. That's how Zechariah refers to him. The branch becomes this image of what the Messiah will be. And it is, this passage is used all throughout the, uh, the Bible speaking of Jesus Christ. This is a central prophecy of what Jesus will be like. And it says he will be a branch from his roots. Now here, I don't know if you read that and you go, what in the world? But what are the roots of Jesse? What is the root of Jesse? Skip down to verse 10. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. That's also referring to the Messiah. So he's the branch. He's also the root of Jesse. So he's the root, and he's the shoot. In fact, I would say he is the rootinest, shootinest Messiah around. Settle down, settle down. The rootinest, shootinest. He is the root and he is the shoot. And it's kind of a big deal that he's the root. And we could just blow by that, but Jesus didn't. Jesus said, and here's how he said it in Revelation chapter 22, verse 16. He said, I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. What is it he's saying there? He's saying, yes, I came from David, but I came long before David. Right? And this is the kind of thing that he would use to blow the mind of the Pharisees and the people who were experts in the law and everybody who knew the scriptures better than anybody else. He would blow their minds just by talking about this. Matthew chapter 22, verse 41. Now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question, saying, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? And they said to him, well, he's the son of David. And he said to them, how is it then that David in the Spirit calls him Lord, saying that the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet? If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. Why? Because they were stumped. 
all day. Let's root into this a little bit more. He was pre-existent, right? The root means he came long before David, but he was preeminent as well. David called him Lord. And how about Abraham in John chapter 8, verse 56, when he says, when he says uh, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. He was preeminent, preexistent. He came long before David, long before Jesse. He was the root. Why? Because he's the image of the invisible God. By him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Everything that was made was made through him and for him. And he was before all things. And he and by him all things hold together. That's why it says he is the root. And this says in Isaiah 11.1, 1, there shall come forth a root from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. So you got a root, you got a shoot, and you got a branch that bears fruit. Woot, woot. And what fruit? What fruit? that branch bears. You and I know something about that, don't you? Because you and I are fruit from that branch. Romans chapter 11, verse 17 and 18 says that you and I were like wild olive branches grafted in. And that same root has become our root, our sustenance, our strength, our source. And I guess that's what I found most beautiful about this passage. There shall come forth a root from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. What I find so beautiful about this is there was only one stump in the field that the shoot could come from. God prophesied. He spoke and he said, I will abide by my word, right? So there was only one stump. Had to come from the line of David. Had to come from the stump of Jesse. There's only one stump from which that root or that shoot could come. But that is not the only stump that pulls from that root. So the shoot is unique. The root is not. He was the root of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He was the root of Jesse. He was the root of David. But he is also the root of Alan. He's the root of Elizabeth. He's the root of Linda. 
He's our root. He is our source. He is our strength. We pull from him. He is still the one who is holding all things together. None of that has changed. Why is all of this important? All of this is important because it is an answer to one of the most painful, beautiful, real prayers in the whole Bible. In Job chapter 14, Job prays. And it's in the middle of a very depressing chapter. It's titled in my Bible, Job Continues, Death Comes Soon to Us All. Here's what it says in verse 7. For there is hope for a tree, if it be cut down, that it will sprout again, and that its shoots will not cease. Though its root grow old in the earth and its stump die in the soil, yet at the scent of water it will bud and put out branches like a young plant. But a man dies and is laid low. Man breathes his last, and where is he? As waters fail from a lake and a river wastes away and dries up, So a man lies down and rises not again. Till the heavens are no no more, he will not awake or be roused out of his sleep. Oh, oh, that you would hide me in Sheol, that you would conceal me until your wrath be past, that you would appoint me a set time and remember me. If a man dies... Shall he live again? All the days of my service I would wait till my renewal should come. Job says, we're all going to die. And he says, when we die, what is there for us? He says, oh, but if I was a tree... For there is hope for a tree. If it be cut down, that it will sprout again, and that its shoots will not cease. Though its roots grow old in the earth, and its stump die in the soil, yet at the scent of water it will bud and put out branches like a young plant. The answer to Job's prayer here is in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. Oh, that I could be like a tree. That even if it's cut down and it seems like there's nothing left, that it might be able to pull from those roots. So in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, it says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And we will be plugged into that root, and we will draw from it. This week did not turn out the way that I expected it to turn out. 
some things changed, and what I planned on doing, I didn't end up get to, getting to do. And it was just an odd week. And in the midst of it, I felt like God was speaking to me and saying, this week is going to be for you a, a reset. You just need a reset button, Alan. You just need to reset for a moment. And I was thinking about that and brought back to my memory times in the past when God has hit reset for me. See, there's times when I can look back in my life and I can see when God has stripped me back, maybe my circumstances or my own decisions and the results of it, stripped me back to absolutely nothing. And if I were to picture myself in that moment, I would picture myself as a burned out stump with absolutely no potential left. In fact, one of the times that word potential is super key. Because at the time, right after I had accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, I was growing in the faith. And one of the things that I would love when people would say to me, Oh, Alan, you have such potential. I would eat that up. I'd lap it up. I would just swallow that hook, line, and sinker. You have such potential. And then God stripped me back until looking at me, you would say, there is no potential left except to draw from the roots. And I learned pretty quickly, I don't want to bank on my potential. I want to bank on what I can find in the roots of Jesus Christ. Some of us know exactly what it's like, feel like a burned out stump in the field of stumps. Can I say to you, he is not just the root of Jesse and the root of David. He is the root of insert your name here. If you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, you have been grafted in and you draw from the root of Jesus. That's why I love this prophecy. Another time when I was totally stripped back to nothing was even before I had accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I can remember it to this day like it was yesterday. I can picture it still here and now. I was sitting in a dorm room in La Crosse, Wisconsin, in the dark. And I was thinking, is this all there is? Is this it? This path I'm on, is this the best life has to offer? Is this it? And I can remember, even in my own heart, that same feeling, a downward spiral. I, can, I, I physically could feel that downward spiral thing. 
Jesus Christ reached out to me by the power of the Holy Spirit, by a young lady who attended Praise Assembly in Springfield, Missouri, who just happened to be in Wisconsin on this day. She shared with me about Jesus Christ and prayed with me. And I responded to the call of Jesus Christ. And I cried out just like Job. Oh God, conceal me from your wrath. Hide me away. And answer me. My hope is in you. This is the answer to Job's prayer. Apart from Jesus Christ, we are all with Job in chapter 14. But in Jesus Christ, we have hope. And that burned out stump has not yet seen what will be. This week, I was reflecting on all of the things that God has done in my life. Too innumerable to count. But I remembered back to that dorm room and that stump that was burned out. And I look what God has done. Not by my might. Not by my power. But by His Spirit. By Jesus Christ, who holds all things together. He has done this tremendous thing. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. What a promise. A promise that has been realized and will be better realized in Revelation chapter 22, verse 16, when he says, I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. Draw from this well. Draw from that well of your salvation. And this Christmas, I don't know what it looks like. Like, I don't know what this situation looks like. I don't know how many of us feel like that burned out stump. You still got the root of Jesus. Draw there. Draw there. See what he does. If you would stand with me today you're in here and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, he has a reason for you to be here today. And that is because today is the day of your salvation. Maybe you know exactly what I'm talking about with that downward spiral. You got no hope to break out of it. The forces are building up and it speeds up as it goes. Can I just say to you, Jesus Christ is the answer. And that's all you got right now. Cry out to him. Hide me. Cover me from your wrath, O God. Answer me today. Romans is clear. What you need to do is put your faith in Jesus Christ. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you can be saved. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. And as I do, if you're in here, and you need to put your faith in Jesus Christ, just confess with your mouth for the very first time. Speak it out as I speak it out. Jesus Christ, you are Lord. 
Let's pray. Father, I come to you thanking you for the promises that we see in Scripture that are all yes and amen in Jesus Christ. And Lord, I look all through the Old Testament, going back to the very fall of man, and you see the seeds of promise of what will be. No sooner had that happened. You already had a plan in place, oh God. Crucified from the foundation of the world. It was always your plan for Jesus. So God, you enacted your plan. And at the fullness of time, at the right time, Jesus Christ came. And all through Isaiah 11, we're going to see over and over and over again these prophecies fulfilled in Jesus. Better fulfilled in the days to come, but already fulfilled. God will see them again and again, which is a, 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 a realization of your promises, an assurance that your word is true. These prophecies over and over and over again are fulfilled in Jesus. All to point us to the cross. To say in the cross you can have salvation. In the fact that my son died for you. The fact that he came. That God is with us. In all of these things, it speaks to your salvation. God, today we declare that the scriptures are true. That Jesus Christ is who he said he was. And that you did raise him from the grave. Truly that happened. I know it did. I believe it in my heart, oh God. And I confess with my mouth today, you are Lord of my life. You are Lord. And so I speak it. I say it. Be Lord today. May I be like David and call you Lord. Father, I pray for any who are in here right now that you are calling awake saying today is the day of your salvation. I pray that you would break them out of that downward spiral of destruction and God bring them out of that kingdom and put them into the kingdom of your beloved Son in the name of Jesus Christ. All our hope is in you. You're the only one. You're the only way. And so we hope in you today. Hallelujah. And God, we thank you for it. Oh God, we're thankful. We're thankful because we had no hope apart from you. We're thankful that still to this day, we have no hope apart from you. It's all in Jesus Christ. And so our faith and our hope is in you. And we do know that death is not the end because of what Jesus Christ has accomplished for us. And our hope expands and grows this Christmas. Speak to us deeply from Isaiah chapter 11. And may we draw on the wells of our salvation there with joy. In your name, Jesus. Amen. If you're in here and you just prayed for the very first time, confess Jesus Christ as your Lord. In a moment, I'm going to dismiss. And when I do, I would encourage you not to head out the door quickly. You may have other places you need to be. There is one thing of importance right now, and that is your faith. So as others head out, I would encourage you to step out of your seat and come down to the front. This prayer team would just love, love, love to pray with you, and they've committed to not just pray with you, but also pray with you all week long. In fact, if you're in here today 
and you are just battling with something. Maybe you are just right in the midst of that field, and you feel just like a burned-out stump. Not just like all potential is gone, but then all potential is gone, and then it was burned. Maybe that's exactly what you feel like, and you just need someone to pray with you this morning and remind you of the fact that Jesus Christ is your root. Today, I would encourage you as others head out to step out and come down to the front. Thank you so much for joining us today. God bless you as you go. If you need for prayer for anything, feel free to come down for the front. If not, God bless you this morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Be thankful today. Be thankful today. And with joy, draw on the wells of your salvation.